the Marleys were dead to begin with. Ooh. <laughs> I know. Started out spooky. Yep. It does. That's what like that's what's so crazy about the story. Anyway, hi everybody. Welcome back to a very special episode of Behind the Timeline. It's the Christmas episode. And I, Scott Claus, am here with my wonderful co-host, Lindsay. I don't know who I'm gesturing to in my office, by the way, right now. Because, like, I'm gesturing to the wall and there's clearly no one there. No, I'm not there. (laughs) Yeah, that was weird. I don't know why I did that. Anyway, hi, Lindsay. How are you? I am excellent. I'm really excited to talk about the Christmas Carol. This is the Christmas episode. and. I hope everyone's having good holidays. I know. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry whatever holiday you enjoy, whatever you... If you guys don't celebrate Christmas, whatever. Just we're glad you're here. But this is the Christmas episode because we're talking about a Christmas carol. So it is it is, it is Christmassy up in here. <laughs> the font is green and red. <laughs> It is, and I actually didn't realize that in the notes until like halfway through, and I was like, is this intentional? Yeah, it is. <laughs> so stupid when I read <laughs> that shit. Um, but yeah, so basically this is how things are going to go down. First of all, I'm going to ask Lindsay a very important question, and then we're going to get into four versions of A Christmas Carol. Tonight we'll be discovering the greatness of one, the not-so-greatness of another, and... The insurmountable bestness of one. And then the, hey, that one was basically just there. (sighs) We're starting with, we're basically going to go through the story. We're not going to go through each movie. We're going to talk about facets of the original story. Because every version of Christmas Carol is the same. You can't really change that story too much. Yeah, we're going to talk about, it's going to be a who did it best. You know, there's a million adaptations of this, both on the stage and in television, yeah, and TV and, and in film, film all yeah. over the place. I think something that we weirdly have in common, Scott, and tell me if I'm misremembering, is that we both went to see this on the stage regularly as kids at Christmas time. Not regularly. I actually regularly saw a Nutcracker. Ah, of one or the other. I usually saw it. Um, I usually saw the Russian one. Uh, but yes, I saw the Nutcracker multiple times live when I was a kid. Yeah, and I loved it. It was. I awesome. saw the Nutcracker often. We would go in Boston to see the Nutcracker, but every year without fail, we saw a Christmas Carol on stage. So I have a lot of love for this story, and of course, my favorite oh, Christmas yeah. movie of all time. Full disclosure on my bias here, folks, is a Muppet Christmas oh, Carol. Yeah. Told you guys. The, the bestest, bestest one. one without qu- I mean, and having watched all these, like, and it's and I and I, I read I reread the Dickens for this as well. So I know. I'm very impressed. I really have been like deep in a Christmas carol to, to the point that I haven't seen Hawkeye. Like I'm like really like yeah. I've been Christmas caroling. So yeah. the ones we're gonna talk about are the original 1938 A Christmas Carol with Reginald Owen as Ebenezer Who? Scrooge. If you guys will remember, I shouted out when we did the Mary Poppins episode because he is Admiral Boom. Huh. Just wanted to sprinkle that back in there in case anyone forgot. Also worth noting that when did uh, Snow White come out? 37? Snow White? 37. Yeah. yeah. So we are kind of just rewinding all the way back with this one to kind of where we mm-hmm. started, which is fun. We are actually. Yeah. Um, The next one in the timeline order 
of this is Scrooged 1988 with Bill, Bill Murray, um, which is like the, yeah, we'll talk about that, how that was. Um, 1992's Impeccable, A Muppet Christmas Carol. And 2009's Dumpster Fire of A Christmas Carol animated with Jim Carrey. What a fucking mess. I can't wait to talk about how much I Dude. hated that. Holy shit. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, but like I said, before we get into this, I have a very special, very personal question for Lindsay. And I will answer this question after she answers it. What is the all-time best Christmas gift you have ever gotten? Dude, that's put me on the spot. I know. Which sucks because I've had like my whole life to think about this. But I've had some good Christmas gifts. I really don't. I don't know off the top of my head. That's really hard. What was yours? You have to tell me while I think for a second. So <clears throat> it's a string of gifts. When I was first born and shout out to my dad, because this is something that my dad and I shared. Um, when I was first born, my dad bought this train that went around the Christmas tree and it, for anybody who is, I know, I don't remember what the technical term is, but anybody that's a train lover, um, you'll know what G scale means and you'll know what LGB means. LGB is a German company that made this indoor and outdoor train. LGB stands for Lehman Grossbahn. Um, and every year until I was about 17, 17 or 18 for Christmas, my dad would buy me a new piece of track and a new car or cars or, you know, like a new engine or something for this train. And it slowly grew and grew and grew until eventually I had this train set that could literally fill my living room and part of my kitchen in my, in my old house. It went around the tree. It went around the room. The tree was in the, like to put it to scale, the engine that pulled this train is the size of a football. Like, and these things are heavy and they can go in and out. And That's every, cool. I remember the most excited thing Christmas morning was seeing what was new on the track because my dad was smart. He always hid the new shit behind the tree <laughs> because our tree was always. So in the he corner. would set it up and put the new stuff on the track. Mm -hmm. Oh no, no, no. From, from a, probably about the age of 10, I was the one that set it up. That's cool. Because at that point, that was my. And then what train. he would that put the new, thing. the new bit mm -hmm. like after you went to bed, so then like the train yeah. was already set up, but then he'd put on the the new bit. And did you just have it out at yeah. Christmas? Oh yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. And here's the really sad part: since I was, that train has not been set up in its entirety since I was 18 years old. Oh, why not? I know. I just it's been split up between my parents. It ha I haven't had a place to put it. Um, it just, there's a lot I know, but yeah, that was, that's my favorite. I just loved waking up. Um, I, I don't have as sweet a story. I don't have like a, what really comes to mind is when I was like, like 11 or 12 and I was a pretty serious skier, like my whole life. Oh, right. Yeah, and that was the age where like 
you get more serious and more able and like the kid that you get is the kid that you're going to have for a minute. You don't have like little kid skis anymore. Like you're starting to like reach right. your height. Yeah. Like I was pretty much my height by the time I was 12. It's like, all right, cool. Um, I'm five two. call it a life. I literally just kept growing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to six, six, three, but you know, but I remember that year, one of those years where I was like 12 or 13 and I got, a new set of skis, like a new kit. And that was like, that's the kit you're going to have for a minute. And it was right when the, it was the new uh, Solomon double tips that came out. Remember everyone had those bright orange skis. Maybe you don't, you grew up as a, you're like a beach baby, huh? There was a year. Grew up in the desert. What the fuck? <laughs> Everybody had these. Everybody wanted the Solomon double tips. And I got the Solomon double tips and they were orange. They were so dope. And I got orange boots to match them. And they were like these big wide powder skis with double tips. So you could do tricks and stuff. And like everyone wanted those skis. And it was like the fact that I was even like old enough, big enough, capable enough to use them. You know, like I was out of little kid skis and I got these and I remember my God brothers were skiing on those. And I was like, so jealous. Cause I wanted to ski with them. Um, and then I got to go ski with them in Whistler that year. And my parents were freaking out and I was like, just old enough to like be able to go with them. Like, cause I was able, I was able to do, to go with them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and right. and uh, they were freaking out and like we just I just had the best winter that year on those I just really remember those skis like that was a big deal getting on those and I had a lot of fun and I fucked around a lot on them and like yeah, Fuck yeah those dude. are good times let's go I'm dude, I never learned to ski I want you to know that right now my parents I tried like one year I think we went to the snow somewhere and my mom tried we got like 30 minutes of lessons and then i just fucking never i'll teach it. you if you come here dude let's i'll go. teach you all day not about that life anymore but i'll learn to snowboard because i skateboarded for like i can teach years, you to but... snowboard i was on the snowboard team let's go my name's Lindsay, and i can do it all like <laughs> i can teach you how to snowboard i I'm so love down. the winter I love i love the holidays um all of this is exciting. Like, I'm I'm really excited to talk about these movies. So I feel like we need to start at the beginning. And that's going to be, like, the the book. And since you just read it, um, and I read it a long time ago. I haven't, I haven't read it in a while. Is there, like, perceptible differences? No. From, from the, it basically is the same story? 100% it's the same. It's, it's the same lines. I mean, the similarities to the book, like, okay, some of the things that make it in basically every adaptation that we watched, and I imagine that there are, and sweet Jesus, we have a lot of notes. Um, yeah, we do. So, like, the concept of sliding is in every single one of these. Mm -hmm. The ice yeah, sliding. The ice yeah. sliding in one way or another is in every one of these. The line about decreasing the surplus population is in all of them. Uh, oh my God. when yeah. Scrooge is trying to say like that Marley's not really says you're more of gravy than of grave. Like he thinks he had something bad to eat. He says that in every single one of them. Those are all from the books. Hell yeah. So yeah, it's this story is the book is only like a hundred pages. So yeah. Yeah. I remember it being like pretty short for being such an epic tale and something that we relive every year in some new fashion or another. It's it's really not that long of a story. And really, the movies aren't even that long either. Like, it's really not that much of a story. Well, I can't say that because Scrooge is 
Scrooge takes place over multiple days. Yeah, Scrooge is like Scrooge is taking place in the the eighties, right? And it's like a weird. Yeah. Um, he's like a horrible TV executive who's putting on a Christmas special called Scrooge. So it's like the yeah. a, like a Christmas Carol and Charles Dickens exists in his universe, and then it like happens to him. So that's the and yeah, Scrooge is right. a little bit longer. Because of because of that, because it's like a full Bill Murray movie, but most of them are pretty short and pretty dead on. And the closest adaptation is the 1938, and I think that's mm-hmm. why it doesn't feel old to me. Like that one is just it's a black and white movie from 1938, and it's about a story taking place in the 1840s, and it like all tracks. It's like totally just page to screen. Yeah, it all yeah. lines up. Um, Loki before the Muppet. Christmas Carol, that is my favorite. That's the one my mom and I watched all the time when we were little. The 1938. I was surprised it wasn't your number one ranking. It's not. And again, it's, I mean, we'll get into it when when we get there. But like, dude, it's the Muppets, man. Just like the Muppets are so, and I keep like teasing Lindsay with this, but next to my all time favorite Muppets joke. This one has two of the best ones. Yeah, it does. We have a whole comment thread in the doc of like things we thought were funny while we were watching about it. It's like, I forgot about that. Um, But since we're on it, let's talk about the world. So like the world of A Christmas Carol. So obviously we have to start with the first one is the 1938 one. And I love your note. It's just like, this is old as fuck. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's totally fine. Cause it matches the Dickens. Like I said, right. It's very like, it's, it's totally page to screen. Like that is mm-hmm. it's 1840s London. Dead on. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. It, it is very much, you get the vibe that this really could have just been recorded on a London street. Or filmed on a London street. Um, here's the problem right off the bat. I don't know if anybody caught this at the intro, but I did not like Scrooge at all. I There were moments where it was funny. But for being something based on A Christmas Carol, I think this is probably the loosest adaptation I've ever seen. It is super loose and it's like supposed to be. And I kind of liked that. Like there were parts of it that I thought were really funny. It was my second to least favorite, but I did prefer it to the 2009, but Mm. like a lot, but I thought it was a fun take and like Bill Murray was funny, I guess. Some of it was really weird. Like we'll get to the elements of it that were weird, but the, the, I I was intrigued. I wanted to really like it. It wasn't my least favorite. Yeah, actually, I'll I'll give you that. And I think the main reason is I'm jumping a little bit here, but the 2009 Christmas Carol, as we're going through the opening credits and it's going through London, the things that are interact like we're interacting with and stopping, like the boys stopping at the butcher's uh, or the kitchen below the mayor's estate or whatever. That felt like we were on a ride and that was part of the ride. Well, so yeah, I think that is actually apropos of like the world for the 2009. Um, We're just out of Mm -hmm. chronological order, which I'll accept. But yeah, I think that's part of the shtick here is that it's, it's like, first of all, the animation looks like hot garbage, but 
Dude, I can't understand why anybody thought that this looked for good. a second. First of all, this is coming off the heels of Polar Express, which for all of its faults and dude, ask anyone in my family, no one will watch that movie with me because I tear that movie apart. <laughs> I there are so many fucking plot holes in that movie. I can't even fucking begin to tell you. But, I don't you know, but, I'm not even sure I've seen it all the way through. I'll have to watch it this well, okay, my Dude. watch list is getting obscene. Like, I, there's an actual. I know you need to settle down. I'm like, it's tough, but I want to watch Christmas movies. Anyway, <laughs> I know, I know, right? Like, I'm so worried about it. Like, it has to happen tonight. But yeah, yeah it it looks like shit. Um, but part of its shtick in this 2009 movie is trying to find like a unique way to tell this story, mm-hmm. and they try to do that visually, and it is bad. Mm. And we'll talk about the individual elements as we go through them, right? But yeah, a lot of the things they tried to do, like, I get what they're trying to do. They just suck at it. Yeah. But then we go back. Sorry, I know we're going out of order here, but... I'll accept it. Temp pad back to 1992. (laughs) 1992's The Muppet Christmas Carol. Everything about this is something that I, I like because while it is goofy and cheery and like you have Muppets doing Muppet things and shit, like the turkey pops out of the box still alive <laughs> and <laughs> the guy's like, what about my nose? And then it gets stuck in the window and shit. <laughs> there are like real problems going on in here. You can literally see that just about everyone who isn't buying something is fucking destitute. Yeah, the poverty is real for these puppets. Like it's real, real Dude. tough. They have like their struggle is real in Puppet London. It it really <laughs> Puppet <laughs> London. This shit is just like not great. But here's the here's the reason that the Muppet Christmas Carol really just kind of sets itself apart. We are told the story. We aren't just shown the story. We're told the story and we get to experience everything from the hilarious narration of Gonzo and to a very lesser extent Rizzo, because Rizzo doesn't really yeah, but he he cracks me up. He's pretty, he's contributing. Um, but Gonzo, like right off the bat, he's like he's here to tell the story, and he adds a lot of really good mysticism and drama and stuff. <laughs> Why are you whispering? It's for dramatic emphasis. Yeah, I mean, and even the way he he opens it up, right? The Marleys were dead to begin with, which is how the book starts. And yeah, like yeah. he's he does set a creepy scene, and his mm-hmm. yeah he sets a great tone for the story. Like the the Muppet Christmas Carol is um quite dark. It's a little bit of a like it it's is. very melancholy. Mm-hmm. Like it's. More so than than the others, except for Scrooge, right? So everything except Scrooge is supposed to be 1840s London. Scrooge is yeah. 1980s, yeah, yeah, yeah. like New York, I guess. New York, yeah. So I guess it's like explicitly, definitely New York. Um. So, but other than that, they're all in in the same. They're set at the same time and place. In the same time, yeah, yeah. But the Muppets really is grim. Like it's there's it's a much more somber. I think that's what the that's the word I'm looking for. It's like a somber yeah. atmosphere in this movie. Well, and that that's a really good way to lead us into the next part. We're going to start with the characters. And we're going to start with Bob Cratchit. <laughs> in the 1938 one, Bob Cratchit is the epitome of keeping up the Christmas spirit. I loved him. 
dude, he's awesome. He is like goofy and beaten down, but he's still got this like Christmas cheer. He's still willing to ask for the next day off. Here's another thing that I have always had a problem with, with a Christmas Carol. Why does the Christmas Carol make it seem like this is the first time that Bob Cratchit has ever asked for Christmas? I off? wondered that too. Like how is it? it and you know, it, the way I took it in the Muppet movie, I think it seems clear that it's like, he knows they're going to ask for it off. Like he's just being difficult. He's just being an asshole. Like, and they have to uh, yeah. ask for it every year. Cause he never just gives it to them. They have to go. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, he's like playing dumb. Like he's just being a bastard is how I took it. But I think, um, the Muppet movie is the one to portray that more. I don't know that that's like evident in the other stories. Yeah. Because the 1938 one, he starts the conversation. He's like, I suppose you'll have to have the whole day off tomorrow. And he's like, if it's convenient, sir. And he's like, it's not convenient and it isn't fair. It's a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. Still, I suppose you'll have to have the whole day. Well, that so, to me says that he does this song and dance every year. Oh, I guess you're going to want Christmas right, off again. You Like, that's what I think. Yeah. Like, he does give it Well, to and me. that's what I mean. Like, so this version and... I guess he kind of does it in the 2009 one. He has the conversation outside the shop, I guess. But those ones, it's established that this conversation has happened before. But for some reason in the Muppet Christmas Carol, when he's like, if you please, sir, tomorrow's Christmas, all the business. He's literally trying to convince Scrooge. Like this is the first time they've ever had this conversation before. I, I would still argue that it's not. I think that they make him do the song and dance every year. Mm. I think that he's just like, or maybe there's some years that he does make them work. I don't know. You could be right. You yeah, can, it's, it's tough true. to say, but I did wonder that today too. I thought about that. Like, are we, and, and poor, Poor Bob yeah, Cratchit. Bob so some so loses his fucking job. Yeah, and that is a change from the book. Unless I, I mean, I read, I listened to the book like while I was at my work day. So like, there, I may have missed a little bit of nuance. Mm -hmm. But from what I saw, I didn't think that Bob got fired. I think that's a change in the nineteen thirty, no. and it's like the only version of it where he gets fired, and it mm -hmm. made me love him all the more because it really, I was like, yo, what? Cause that's different for me. Right. I'm like, I don't remember you getting fired. Like, yeah, and dude. he's like, spends all this money on the Christmas stuff and still makes like a perfect Christmas. And he's not distracted one little mm -hmm. bit. He's like totally there with the kids. Yeah. He's so cheery. And it, it reminded me a lot of my Mary Poppins experience. Like I was just grinning at this guy. Yeah, dude. And he, he, even when Marta or Marta comes home, he tells her. And then even she is like, I got to put on a great face for the family. And like, they just move right into it. Now here's a really weird 180. We go from this to Scrooge. And I actually could not figure out who was supposed to be Bob Cratchit in this. Was it that I know that there was a guy that he gets fired, but then there's also this girl. And I just, it was, it was, I don't really get it. I feel like this was, like I said, it was like a really, really loose adaptation. Yeah. And it like, that's fine with me. Cause I like, I like that when it's like, put it in a different place, like take this really traditional story like this, like this is, 
one of the stories where you can do that with it. Like I liked that mm-hmm. part of it, how loose it was of like, let's make yeah. him a real dude and he'll sort of fit the story, but the story exists in his world. He's doing a special on it for TV, right? It's all very yeah. meta. So I'm like right. totally fine with all of that. But there are kind of two Bob Cratchits in the story. There's Grace, who's his like assistant. And I, that's who yeah, I'm and it's okay. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. mostly her because we see her in the Ghost of Christmas Present scene, which is where we always see Bob Cratchit in every Bob instance, Cratchit, right? Yeah, and we don't see this other guy who we'll get to, but it's definitely her. She has she's like a single mom. She's got a bunch of kids, and you know, yeah. Cratchit's like Cratchit gives everyone uh, not actually Cratchit Bill Murray, right? Gives everybody his Christmas gifts monogram and it's like towels. monogram towels. Yeah. And it's like, and yeah. she gets a shitty towel too. And so she definitely, I think is the most cratchety of the cratchets. However, there is also this other guy. Um, and it's like, he's this disgruntled former employee who shows up with like a fucking gun and he, he gun. literally scared like in the third act like he shows up in the end like he gets fired in the beginning and then he shows up with a gun and scares away the ghost of christmas yet to come like it's like Dude, and, yeah like and when he, that's what i'm saying like there were funny parts and that shit i was just like what dude and then when he like at the end after he succeeds in his test with christmas future and he comes back through the portal yeah. and like this dude is still there with the gun though like he hasn't solved that problem yeah it's still well, and that was the thing I couldn't understand because he gets rid of him with just like a throwaway comment about like I know an executive position. I mean, because or something like that. It's happy. Scrooge. You can kind of surmise he gives it to him. Yeah, because yeah. Happy Scrooge comes back and he's like, "I fix everything by being cheery and like including this guy." Which honestly, it was good comedy. Like it was like that's ridiculous, right? It was funny. Yeah, that's fair. But also, what the fuck? That was a really. It was a strange. There was really limited. <laughs> focus on the bob considering that there were two bob cratchits in this movie there's very limited focus on them Mm -hmm. um so again we're going to take another 180 because you mentioned it uh when we were talking about the world but in the muppet christmas carol and this was like the i've noticed this since i was a little kid kermit as bob cratchit other than when he sings the one more sleep till christmas song he is just such a downer. Yeah. He is somber. He's melancholy. He seems just beaten by the world. He doesn't he doesn't carry that Christmas spirit at home other than you know like the song no like the muppet cratchits for sure like less christmas spirit and more like christmas resilience like they're like we're yeah. gonna have christmas so fucking help me god <laughs> like, yeah i swear to god <laughs> and yeah like he does sing one more sleep till christmas which is like really a banger um uh, all the songs it, it in this movie really are is. bangers except for one which i we should have kind of discussed this um there are two versions of the Muppet Christmas Carol. One is an extended version that has a forgotten song that explains why Belle leaves. However, you will likely only ever see the cut version that skips her song because the only known version of the one with her song is the DVD. 
re, uh, released back from like the early 2000s or something. Yeah, I remember. You can probably song. find a deleted scene like somewhere. Yeah, I remember and it's having it as a kid on the VHS. Mm-hmm. It's just right. weird. It's just a weird. It's just like it's just another song, and it's probably the worst song in the. Sh- yeah, in the I movie, don't miss but... it. It wasn't good. It's like I'm yeah, fine that's with probably cutting why they it. Cut it. But the romance is still there. Like she's not cut. It's just the song really that gets mm-hmm. cut. But so I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one more sleep till Christmas is a total banger. And Kermit goes like like skating with the penguins and stuff, and the he's penguins, having a great yeah. time. And then Kermit goes back to his family, and it's like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, "Oh shit, that's right. I have a fuck." Piggy's my actual wife. Fun fact: This is actually one of the only times where Kermit and Piggy are established married. I know, huh? Yeah, they're very mm-hmm. rarely. Um, they're established actually divorced married. in the TV show, like the Office style. Oh yeah, the one like the Office. Yeah, they're split which up. is really underrated. That show was good. I know. I really need to go back. I, I watched that. it recently. It was incredible. Um, I love the Muppets, but, but yeah, Kermit, it's kind of a good fit for Kermit because he is always a little bit understated, especially next to Piggy. Right. Um, And then he has these like occasional bursts of energy, right. Where he's like, and he introduces the show and stuff. Welcome to the show. I'm like, but so it kind of fits for Kermit, but it's, you can tell that it's a choice because Piggy, even though she has some real serious lines in this movie, she's understated too she's she's like they're all a little melancholy yeah she's uh dude she's i mean piggy is always a live wire but good lord the fact that she won't even get her daughter's names right cracks me the fuck up and she's like whatever yeah and they're like what's the line she says in the mirror oh my god peter do not stop turning that spit that is the perfect secret to a perfectly roasted goose. And then Peter's like, it smells so good. And then she looks at herself in the mirror and just goes, it does, doesn't it? And I'm like, <laughs> Thank what the you. fuck? I knew you would know it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. But I'm also just like, what actually are we talking about? I here? mean, it's I know, right? Like, she's, she's amazing, though. But she is. And the other good line she has is when... Um, when Scrooge comes to the Scrooge door later. Up. Yeah. And she's like, I'm going to raise you right off the pavement. Yeah. Right, she right what? off the pavement. I'm like, fucking hell, Piggy. But she's very Dude. like, like literally quiet. Right. Even yeah. when she's dropping like her awesome lines, like they're very somber, these Cratchits. And it's just mm. the Muppet struggle is real, man. Like it really is. I, it's tough times in Muppet London. And mm-hmm. it really shows. It really but also I get it. Like they have like a thousand kids and we, we will talk at length. Cause I have listener feedback about tiny Tim. So we won't do it now, but do you? At, awesome. Yeah. I have like significant listener feedback um, on tiny Tim for us to read. So we will discuss tiny okay, Tim, but needless to say they have a child with disabilities or illness to deal with. And like a hundred kids and they have this like one tiny little goose. And that's something else that's like in, I think every version except the Muppets where there's not quite enough food for everybody at the meal, but they're trying to make it work. Yeah. Um. So that was the thing about the 1938 one. He gets a shitload of food. So that one was really off character. I feel like for the rest of these, but then, and we finally get to it in the 2009 one, but. First of all, 
and I totally agree with your note here. Um, Bob Cratchit made no impact on me. No impression whatsoever. Nothing. Nothing. He just, he was there. First of all, he looks creepy as fuck. Oh yeah. I'm not, I don't want to be his friend. I don't want him to hang around. I take a hard pass on that version of Bob Cratchit. Yeah. He just, he just scares the shit out of me. I'm going to be totally honest. I got to say, I think my favorite Cratchit is the 1938. I like he's, he had a huge smile on my face. I love Kermit the Frog, but I think that the 1938 had the best Cratchit because He's just jovial. Yeah, he he really encompassed like the, the Christmas spirit, not the the resilience of Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> like, not the fine. We might Kermit well do was this. like making it. Like Kermit was like yeah. just just getting <laughs> yeah. by. And, like this guy was like really had the Christmas spirit. Kermit's like just about like that. <laughs> it's hard to watch, but. Yeah. But so I, d- I definitely think that 1938 wins out on the Cratchit front. But what about our main man? Oh, my God. This one, so, I think, is maybe your your favorite, not mine. This is my favorite version of Scrooge because it's the truest to the book. He is down to the bone, cold-hearted, nasty, selfish, and pure greed. This being the 38. And we see. Yeah. 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 Um, and the number one reason that we know that this, the, what sets this Scrooge apart from the other Scrooges, don't get me wrong. Bill Murray was a fucking asshole. Dude. Like, dude, it, that was some next level shit. But even still, the thing that sets, uh, the 19, the Reginald Owen one apart, he, he fires Bob Cratchit. Yeah. And then demands money back from him. To pay for his hat. That had nothing to do with Cratchit getting it run over. Dude. He knocked it off, but he didn't fucking know that the fucking horse thing was coming. Or the buggy was coming. He fired Bob Cratchit for Bob throwing a snowball at him without realizing it was him. Like, just trying to have a good time with some kids. And then Bob just, like, Uh is like, oh, I'm fired. I guess I better go home and put on the best Christmas anybody's ever seen. Like, what? That, yeah, I... He is a, this guy is a bastard. Like he's a really good, bad Scrooge. I will absolutely give Mm -hmm. you that. Like that's, he played a great bad Scrooge, but similar to, to our discussions about Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Like he was not my favorite good Scrooge. No, redemption. I just didn't connect with him as a good Scrooge. I didn't like root for him. And that was something that I felt about kind of everybody except for Michael Caine. Like I really, who's in the Muppets, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I felt like a lot of these guys did not redeem themselves in a meaningful way to me. Where like he didn't seem like he meant it at all. I'm like, is he, like, was his drama like I? He was a good bad Scrooge, but I didn't think he was a very good redeemed Scrooge. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff he does when he's redeemed, as far as Reginald Owen goes. It feels really like ham-fisted and forced, you know? Yeah. I don't believe that he is like really excited about buying this stuff for bringing it over to Bob Cratchit's house. I I don't I don't think he's excited about telling these guys he's going to give them whatever amount of money it actually is because the book actually never tells you. It's supposed to be a yeah. secret. You're just supposed to be like, "Damn, dude, this guy's loaded and he's giving away money." <laughs> 
just a um, lot. I mean, anything's a lot yeah. to like impoverished 1840s London. Well, yeah. So, but <laughs> I feel like, and I totally agree. Again, this goes right back into this goes right down into Scrooge. Bill, I don't think Bill Murray actually learned anything from no. this. I think he just had a better lease on what his life could be. And so he, but his whole, his whole thing is like, I'm just going to buy everybody here alcohol, but you all still have to be here. Yeah. Like he, he had like a nice heartfelt ish speech, but he didn't like materially do anything. Yeah. Like, like if he had done something for grace, I would have been like, okay, all right. Okay. I'm fine with that. Really? All he did was give that dude a job. Dude, and like, if that, I'm looking for what my redemption notes are on him for, yeah, I, he, and he never had any like anti-Christmas sentiment, right? He was just like a workaholic douchebag at Christmas time. Like he was just, I mean, honestly, by the time they get to the end of this with him, it's like he was horrible to his girlfriend as recently as the ghost of Christmas present and like doesn't do anything of value to anyone like you said it's just he gives everybody booze for everyone that he forced to work on christmas eve to do this live show of christmas carol right that's the whole thing and he doesn't even unfire the maniac with a gun i don't think no i think the guy has already just been fired yeah he doesn't like fix any of the any of his wrongs he just is like oh i'm sorry i made you work on christmas Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just like, oh, that's my bad. Yeah, and then it's over. Yeah, I... <laughs> and then we get to Michael Caine, who, while he is still looming and How does Gonzo describe him? Squeezing, grasping, clutching, covetous old sinner. <laughs> yes. I feel like this one has a sense of humor. Yeah. Where he's like, and how would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly unemployed? And then Kermit's like, I believe you You convinced them yet again. And he laughs to himself. I'm like, okay, that's not Scrooge. But that's like, he's got a good sense of humor. This I one. kind of had that note too, that like, he's, he almost seems unrealistically nice. Like he's my favorite, but mm-hmm. I can see a fair criticism where like, he's a little bit too nice even. Um, and he's kind of funny, but yeah. to Michael Caine's credit, um, he's like similar to, uh, Fuck, what's his name um, in Muppet Treasure Island and Pennywise? Oh, my God. Similar to Tim Curry. Um, There are certain actors who just can play off of a Muppet, man. Like, it's just it's just a fucking thing. Or what's his name from the the newer Muppet movie? Like, he was born to work opposite. Yeah, Jason Segel was born to work opposite puppets. Like, I and so the. But Michael Caine is one of those. Like, he knows how to work with the Muppets. And so I think by mm-hmm. nature, he then has to be more jovial, more of a sense of humor, more meta, yeah. more... Break, he has to be aware breaking. of... Like, all of it, right? Yeah, like, uh, thank you for making me a part That's of like it. That's, like, my favorite line of the movie. <laughs> I, but I love him, and I love his song. He gets there, goes, Mr. Humbug. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. And he's the main character from the second he comes on screen. And Oh, absolutely. That's a change from like the 1938 where like you get more Cratchit in the beginning, which I think it makes sense. Like Cratchit had the bigger impact on us. Right. Like, 
it does kind of feel like Cratchit is more important in the 1938 one. Yeah. And I think it's because we see him do more because the other ones just cut to Scrooge getting home. We don't really, you know, like you don't, you don't find out what happened. We don't in the, the 2009 one, Bob just leaves. Yeah, exactly. We literally don't see him again until it goes to Christmas. The Muppets used the fuck out of the set that they had. Like the two streets in oh, London, yeah, like if you watch them, like they just walk back and forth past the same sign, like so straight the up it's like, yeah. and they're just going back and forth. Like they use the fuck out of that set. And yeah, so they're always doing a walk and talk in this movie. They're always running around London and, yep. and they all do like that's part of the theme. Definitely. But you're right. We get this walk home with Scrooge in this one and the song to like tell us about him and bring all of his make him the main character. Right. Which yeah. which is good. And I think that he's awesome all the way through. I agree. Um, I also feel like his redemption, and I know we have a section for redemption, but I am kind of mixing it in here. Yeah, totally. Part of his story, but um, I feel like his redemption is also the most believable. And I'll tell you the exact moment I think it is. And again, this is him being able to act opposite Muppets, is when Beaker gives him the scarf. Oh my God, I know. He, yeah, he genuinely looks touched. He's like, thank you. You know, by a stroke thank, of luck like, and evidence of God, we voted <laughs> on what what Christmas movie to watch together on Zoom as like a team builder at work, right? And we... Oh, thank you, God. Yeah, thank you, God. Muppet Christmas Carol won. I didn't think that was possible. So I actually watched this today at work. I was paid to watch a Muppet Christmas Carol today. Dude, what a time to be I know. And I I couldn't believe it. But there were a bunch of people in the Zoom today who had not seen this movie before, which blew my mind. But I was watching them carefully. And this moment with Beaker was one where a few people were like audibly were like, oh, like I got we got Oz from the audience today on this. So, yeah, yeah, agreed. Like it was that was a really great moment. And um, (laughs) I just read your note. (laughs) Which one? I just read your note for Scrooge in the 2009 one. Oh, just I fucking hate him, dude. We'll get there, dude. No, I think. Why that's just so he, funny. Oh, I, I, th- I know what I was gonna say. That this Scrooge, he was like, yeah, the moment with Beaker for sure, but he was ready to redeem himself like the second he saw the Marleys then the chains hit this Scrooge, like in the Muppets, he was like, okay, I'm ready to be good. I'm sorry. Like he didn't even need to see the three ghosts. So by the time he's actually through the trial, like he's really ready to be nice to everybody. Oh yeah. He kind of has an attitude and we'll get into it in a minute here, but he kind of has an attitude that goes to Christmas past when he first meets her. Um, Yeah. Well, let's hold on that because we'll talk about, we'll get there in one second. But so then the one that I liked the least with Jim Carrey. I'm going to read you guys her note verbatim. So we're still talking about Ebenezer Scrooge and it's A Christmas Carol 2009 animated with Jim Carrey. And all it says, he's a good evil Scrooge, but also he's the worst and I hate him in this movie. (laughs) Yes. Dude, like... He is like, first of all, he is a really, he actually genuinely like scared the shit out of me at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. When he is like looking at Jacob and he yells at the pockmarked kid. And, uh, he, first of all, that was another sign of like pure evil to not pure evil, but pure greed that he takes the fucking toppins off of his 
eyes. The tuppence. <laughs> the tuppence. Yeah, this he was a bastard. Like he was really, really mean. Um the animation yeah. was so bad that I kind of like was distracted even. But yeah, he was an okay good Scrooge. Yeah. But no, this movie blows. He he was the I, the further we go, and we'll continue to come back to this bastard, the worse it gets. Like he's his best in really this very does. beginning bit, for sure. It it's very true. It's fucking downhill from um, here. Like the second we see Jacob Marley Marley, or after that. That was cool. And then it goes all to fuck. So let's that was actually really cool. Yeah, let's jump over to Jacob. Yeah, let's talk about my boy Marley. Um, even in the 30s, this was like totally acceptable special effects. Oh, yeah. It looks awesome. He just comes walking right through the fucking door. By the way, watching the 2009 uh, version finally made me realize why he has all those boxes chained why is and that because yeah both if this all is... the versions have boxes mm-hmm. except so, probably in um scrooge which we'll talk well, about yeah except for scrooge which his version is really funny but um <laughs> so if you if you're paying enough attention in the 2009 version the the other spirits when scrooge almost gets thrown out the window they're all just floating around they don't seem to really have control over what they're doing they're just stuck in purgatory and those boxes must be to allow jacob to anchor himself to the room long enough to talk to scrooge that could be that's the only thing that makes sense because they are very visibly heavy when they when he throws them into the room and it allows him to enter the room I thought of them more as like a the weights of his no sins. like a like a ball and chain, but it's a, like an anvil. Yeah, like you know, as part of the chain somehow. I don't have a book answer for this off the top of my head either. I'm not sure. If it's- well, no, and I don't think there actually is really a book answer. It's just the change that he forged in life. But the reason that I think they are more than just like chains that he has or like the boxes that contain his greed is that he uses the he throws the boxes out the window in order for him to exit huh yeah you're right like he uses them as movement because he can't enter the room until those boxes come in the room they're in it it's it's funny that they're in like all the versions of it like they're an interesting little thing that it seems to just be that they did it in 38 and so they kept doing it I don't know that there's like a good textual answer. That does make sense though. But I don't know. I don't know that there's anything that says that. You know what I mean? Like. Oh yeah. I know. I don't, I don't think it actually, there is a legit, I mean, if there is a legitimate answer or if there's historians out there that can tell me, I don't know, but someone please fucking let me know. Cause they are an interesting touch and they're in all the versions, but yeah, this guy Mm. in, in the 1938, was not the most noteworthy for me. It was very standard. It was like, yeah, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it was like the most bland version, but it's also the first version. Right. And it looked okay. It wasn't yeah. bad, but it was just the most straightforward take ever. And the least straightforward take ever was in Scrooge. <laughs> and it was, yeah. Scrooge was really funny. Right. Cause it's the, his version of Marley is like. A golfer. Yeah. Cause like, this was probably the funniest part of the movie to me. This part was probably my favorite part of the movie. It was good. That in the Ghost of uh, Christmas Passes, the cabbie. 
Yeah, I liked Christmas Pat. He's the cabbie. Yeah. I yeah, and this this was good because it's like Bill Murray's like a TV exec, right? So this guy was like his boss who like ran the network or something, but he died mm-hmm. and he comes back and he's like like a like a resurrected body, like a zombie body that's like falling yeah, apart. Yeah, he was a full on cadaver. Yeah, and he's still in like his golf clothes. I'm like, <laughs> I I thought he was pretty hilarious. Like he goes directly to the bar. To the bar, yeah. And no chains, though. I don't, I, right? I put yeah. a note that's a just straight no chains. So were there any in the very end? Or no, 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 no. There's literally nothing there. That well, and because he doesn't make noise when he walks around. He doesn't like. He just gets up in his face a lot. And actually, like the part that I laughed the hardest at was when he was like, "I should have done something." And then like all this dust comes off of him when he hits himself in the chest, and he coughs from his own. <laughs> Dust. I was like, that's fucking hilarious, dude. Like, that's it's really subtle shit like that that makes me laugh. But um I really liked because uh, we're 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 so used to the story being like, look for the first ghost when the clock tolls midnight or one, whatever. One, I think it's yeah. one, right? And he's like, he's like, look for them tomorrow at noon. <laughs> yeah. I liked those, like those changes where it was like because the Christmas Carol exists in their world. It they're not. It doesn't have to be really that accurate to it, right? It's like no, but if it was real, it would be like tomorrow at lunch. Like it's not like it's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like there were yeah. parts of Scrooge yeah. that I really thought were fun. Like it was it was not my favorite, but I there were parts of it that I really liked. <laughs> yeah. I well, that's what I mean. Like this was probably my favorite part of the of Scrooge. It's a good bit of the story in general. Like this, they're all, they're all good, but yeah, but the Marley stuff is good and nowhere better than the Muppets with another banger. Oh my God, dude. First of all, this is the biggest change from any of them. There's two Marley's and ironically enough of all of the spirit, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but of all of the spirits these are the only ones that are established Muppets. They didn't make a new character. I had that comment too of like, I'm surprised the other spirits, like, why wasn't Sweetums the ghost of Christmas present? Christmas yeah, present, what? yeah. He would have been perfect for it. Also, I think I don't think people would have wanted to listen to him talk. Accurate. But I I think that the answer is that the Muppet Christmas Carol actually is a really good movie and a good adaptation of this. Mm-hmm. And they respected the story enough to yeah. give like create Muppets for those characters, like and not. So, yeah. yeah. And here's the thing. This is how you can tell a good one from a bad one. The Muppet Wizard of Oz has the main cast playing characters from the wizard of yeah. Oz. Like Kermit is the scarecrow and Gonzo is, uh, the tin man. And it just doesn't seem to work. It all makes sense but in from here, like a meta standpoint with the Muppets, right? Like yeah. that the Muppets in the Muppet show would do a show where they would, you know, like how yeah, Treasure Island see is them experience the story. Yeah. Like, but Gonzo isn't based on a f- fucking real character. Jim didn't have no. a friend or no, two friends, but you know what I mean? Like they put, a lot of the characters yeah. in Muppet Treasure Island are established Muppets, but not mm-hmm. so much, at least for the spirit section of this. True. However, before we get any further, I need you guys to understand that not only is their song 
a fucking banger, but the shit that they actually sing about is some metal as fuck topics, dude. Right. I'm going to read you my, the one fucking line from here is actually my favorite fucking part in the song. They get up, they get right up in his face and they're both just like, doom, Scrooge, you're doomed for all time. And he's just like, he's visibly Michael Caine. Again, this is just him doing a really good job of being afraid of Muppet or like working with Muppets. He looks genuinely terrified by them. He is so good in this movie. Oh yeah. And then they're like, your future is a horror story written by your crimes. And I'm like, dude, this is so fucking ridiculous. I can't like it just I I would listen to that song all the time when I was younger. Like when I first got YouTube. <laughs> I watched so much Muppet shit on YouTube. I'd like totally fine to admit it. If you if it wasn't like obvious that Lindsay and I love the Muppets, I don't know if I've ever showed you guys, but I actually have a sticker of Charles Dickens Gonzo on the laptop I used to write my notes for this I podcast. I want that sticker. And yeah, low key, I think everyone that this episode is just an excuse for us to talk Muppets. To talk like, about the that's, Muppets Yeah, again. we're like, yeah. and uh, other Christmas carols, but yeah, Muppets. <laughs> yeah, other things are there too, but also the Muppets. But yeah, they... Uh, and I've, I have been saying and wrote in my notes, Keaton. I have been saying Michael Keaton. I saw repeatedly. that and I didn't want to no, say anything. No, you should anything, say something. Like... I'm being an asshole. We know what I'm like <laughs> with names, you guys. It's like a running thing. I'm not even ashamed. Like it's, we... I'm surprised that at some point this doesn't say A Christmas Carol 2009 with Jim Caviezel. Honestly. Instead of Jim Carrey. Same. <laughs> I like, call me Ronald Wooslib. Like, no, Ronald Wooslib. That's what my friends call me. <laughs> I couldn't even get that right. <laughs> oh my god, that's just what makes it so much better. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I suck yeah. it. You know where I'm good at names? This in the Wheel of Time, though. I'm like, or and then I got you, and I can name like multiple. Oh yeah, sons you are. Because then I'm like fucking up when we're doing yeah, that shit. I well, I've got that nailed. But but yeah, the Marleys are super good in this. Um, and they just are like it. Just is. Like you said, they're established Muppets. It's Statler and Waldorf, but yeah. it fits the Marley character and what's going on yeah, so does. well that not using them would be ridiculous. Because like you said, they made a big change to make it two people. But it's because mm-hmm. basically Dickens wrote Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> like, Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's good to be heckling again. It's good to be doing anything again. <laughs> Like it just like I love them so much, and just the negativity, like the grouchy old man, like it's that's oh, totally yeah. who they are. So, um, I liked them a lot, and yeah, Michael Caine, Michael Caine, are we? Michael do Caine, I, you're are good. we good? Okay, you're good. Jesus, yeah. um, he sold this though. Like he was so terrified, oh, yeah. and it was, and he has like. Like, even the outfit that he's in, you shouldn't be able to take him seriously. With his, like, he's wearing oh, the no, cap, like champ. the nightcap. Like, who wears yeah. that hat to sleep? What the fuck is that? I have no idea, but, like, every time I think about this movie, I just think of how, how you beat the shit out of his robe when he first got there. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, it's my best dressing gown. And then he, the next scene is him sitting in it. I'm like, bro, you almost just, like, fucking destroyed this thing. It's, like, I mean... It's amazing. That and then also like Loki, I don't think I mentioned this before or where it is in my notes, but the fact that in the 1938 version they call he calls the fucking police. Oh, he calls the cops on uh on, on Marley. Jacob Marley. Yeah, he, he calls the, the cops. I was like, what? 
Yeah, dude. And then they get up there and they're just like this fucking drunk old ass idiot. Like, that was amazing. That was it, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like it kind of took me out of it and like broke the scary. I was like, wait, we're just gonna call yeah. the cops. But anyway, um Michael Kane's the best. He, I mean, they were awesome. But then so, then we have this fucking also I kind have to of give awesome a shout out to Gary Oldman. for this Jim yeah, Carrey one. Gary Oldman killed this. I think he did ex- until his jaw breaks. That was just stupid. Yes. But right up to that part where like he gets in his face, he's moving really slowly. He looks genuinely terrifying and he does a good job. Like he's wailing. It's not just him having a conversation. Like he's still damned. He's still like there and suffering. Yeah. And Gary Oldman really sells this. Gary Oldman did a great job. Shout out to you. Zork. Zork, Zorg, 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 yeah, Zorg, <laughs> from the Fifth Element. Oh, names, dude. He's also serious black. But... I mean, any serious black, yes. He was. It was awesome. I liked the way that the chains and boxes came through the wall. That was like, yeah, that was maybe my favorite part of this dumpster fire movie. So I did like that. I hate everything about this movie, but I liked that moment. Yeah. And uh, otherwise. Oh. Let's talk about the Ghost of Christmas no, I Past. Got, yeah, <laughs> I got nothing for that one. <laughs> yeah. So something I think we said so, in the very beginning, right? Of the podcast yeah. in Pinocchio. Oh, yeah. We said that the Blue Fairy reminded us of the Ghost of Christmas Past. And yep. I definitely found that in the 1938 one that it reminded me of the Blue Fairy. Absolutely. A hundred percent. The way she carries herself. The way she's dressed, the way she talks to him, hundred percent. I'm, I'm right, I'm right there with you. And this is my favorite sort of interpretation of the first ghost, the like the child, yeah, the but you past. can't quite tell. Yeah. But like, yeah, I like ethereal sort of childlike angel yeah. or whatever. I like that version of the first ghost. Um, yeah, I do but I liked how in this one in thirty eight, like she wasn't putting up with any bullshit though. Oh, no, she's the so and I noticed that this was like your question too. um, was like, where, where do we actually see uh, Scrooge's like downturn into his like greedy ways and stuff? Yeah, like his life seems fine her, in all these flashbacks. It seems I know. totally fine. Her the 1938 one is the only one that really kind of sets up that he does not stay this way. And actually it's when he tries to kill her, which I don't know if anyone who has seen this movie actually realizes this. He is genuinely trying to kill her. When? What? So at the end, when he's like, spirit, show me no more. Why do you? Yeah. Um, Show me no more. Why do you delight in tormenting me? And she's like, I haven't shown you enough. Your slow descent into greed, your hatred of all mankind. And he's like, leave me. And then he grabs her by the neck and yeah. starts strangling her. And then it, it teleports him back to his bed and he's strangling a so pillow. That's a good point that she does want to show him more. And she does say like the, where you started to suck, right? Like this was just yeah. the beginning of what we were going to look at. She's the only version of this that we looked at that does that. And maybe the book, yeah. I don't know. I'm having a hard time with like, there was, I had a lot of Christmas Carol in me 
And then I've like, now I've seen the Muppets since I read the book because we did it for work. And now I'm like, I don't even know, man, but because (laughs) it's a lot of, it's a lot of Christmas carols, but um, I like that you're right. They do like say that they're going to go back to that. Cause I was confused by, I'm like, everything seems great for Scrooge. It seems like Christmas was going great for young Scrooge in this version of the story. And then he just. like i'm like why do you have beef with christmas like you had a great christmas his sister's all like you get to come home and father sent me in a coach to get you and everything's gonna Mm. be great and he's like which is i mean that's how the book goes yeah Yeah. it seems exactly it is how the book goes and it's weird i'm like why are you such a bastard but you're right like she wanted to show him more i think is the best explanation of that Mm -hmm. and there was still definitely more to show him also, I 100% agree with your uh, assumption that Pete Davidson would play the Scrooge one if this movie was made today. Totally. 100%. Totally, that's Pete Davidson. Like, I feel like that is, like, time-traveling Pete Davidson playing this guy. I think yeah. it is, too. It literally, like, that was the first thing I thought. I almost called my girlfriend into the room. She doesn't... She wasn't going to watch these with me, but... um, Yeah, I, I was like, dude... This could be just like Pete Davidson time traveling as the Ghost of Christmas Path. Oh my God, maybe Pete Davidson actually is. He might be. That could be a really solid explanation for Pete Davidson. Like it's it's totally possible. Shit. So yeah, so this guy's like the Ghost of Christmas Path, and this is a taxi driver who picks up Bill Murray, and he like drives like night bus style into the past Mm -hmm. and goes from place to place, which is actually really cool. The taxi's a nice. I like that. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And I like his whole vibe. He's a total dirtbag. He's. Yeah, he is. He's not nice to him. He's a fucking asshole. No, and their take on like being from the past, like most of these take that to be like a child, right? That's how they embody yeah. the ghost of Christmas past. But in this one, he's like a zombie because he's old and dead. And it's and, and like I yeah. like that take. Like honestly, the Bill Murray movie had some like execution problems, to, especially towards the end. But like overall, yeah. honestly, this movie was really funny and good. Like I okay, I liked this section of it. I the next two ghosts for Bill mm-hmm. Murray I didn't like very much, but I really oh, liked yeah. the ghost of Christmas past in Scrooge. I actually have to agree. Um I think that was probably of the three of them, that was probably the best executed one for sure. I think it was um, the funniest. Yeah, it's obviously not the most faithful, but it's not supposed to be. Um Oh, there's no way no. There's no way that that his version is funnier than the muppet christmas carol you know that you think muppet christmas carol's better for i think it's way christmas fucking past I, or just all, overall movie christmas past no just the whole scene okay the ghost themselves i think he is a way better ghost than the ghost of christmas past in the muppet christmas yeah, carol and i'll tell you why and i didn't realize this until like two years ago that's a puppet i know i didn't I did not fucking realize that for such a long time and it's because i have a 4k tv and I finally was like, dude, that's just the face of a fucking Gelfling from Dark Crystal. Yeah, it's a puppet. That's what it is. I always knew it was a puppet. It's obviously a puppet. It's just like... I didn't. What did you think it was? Like CG or, so, or like a human person? Yeah, I thought it was a kid's face like CG'd on to someone In else. 1992? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I knew it I knew okay, it was. I'm like, no, you're a dumbass. <laughs> No, I knew it was a puppet, but it's got there's a lot of like special effect lighting on it, to be fair. It's done in a funny way, but it is a Gelfling. Yeah. Um, and I really that's my second favorite. I agree. Uh Pete Davidson mm-hmm. here 
because he's funny and he's like he comes back in the end like all the ghosts show yeah. back up later like he's I, I, he was the best. I think he was the funniest, but she's definitely the second best. And she's the best of the ones that are trying to be like the Dickens. Yeah. And she, she seems more like a guide than like a reminder. She's just like, here you go. And, but I mean, but like they all, they're like, do you remember this? And he's like, I can walk this path blindfold. They all say that to yeah. him. But where this scene really shines is, again, Gonzo and Rizzo. A hundred percent. The most in this one. Than, no, actually, you know what? I don't know. They're, I think the most in this one. I think this is where they're the best. Dude, it, oh my God. Rizzo, this is Louise. Yeah, <laughs> we've met. And then, like, they're sitting on the shelf with all the busts of these, like, famous writers. And then it breaks. And then Sam is like, and one day you will be as strong as this very building. And then the fucking shelf falls and they just go, Wah! Oh my <laughs> God. Fall down. Dude, I laugh my ass off every fucking time I see that. And then Sam was just like, mm, they've been meaning to fix that shelf. I like when Sam's I like, says it's the American way and Gonzo oh, like it's the British way Gonzo like taps him on the shoulder he's like Sam like where <laughs> they break the fourth wall of it a little bit yeah <laughs> like, oh right it's the British way and so then funny. the fucking Ebenezer's just like yes headmaster and then he looks behind him like what the fuck yeah right like that well and they're just the fact that they're like it's almost like the inception of Christmas Carol right because you yeah. have like the people who are th who are there in the past, and then you have Scrooge and the ghost, who. But then Gonzo, right? Because like the people who can't has to see make the story go. Scrooge right. and the ghost, yeah. but Scrooge and the ghost can't see Gonzo and Rizzo. They're kind of like following. But everyone else can see <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah, like that's the part I love. Is like. <laughs> there, it's just <laughs> when they go to Fozzie party. Okay, how perfect oh is that? Though? Like, how much did Dickens write this for the Muppets? Are you fucking oh, I know for me? real. Like, yeah, it's definitely Fozzie Wiggs party. Everything about that works. Like there's, I Dude. honestly, when I saw that it was Fezziwig in the real one, cause you know, who remembers that shit? Like I just assumed that was well, just something yeah. that the Muppets made up. I never realized that. And when I, I realized that watching this, I was like, seriously, it's just already yeah. called that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, dude, he, he does it perfectly. And then, uh, what is it? They get there and they're having the party and Animal is trying so fucking hard to play this very slow, very boring music. And eventually he just loses his shit <laughs> and has to play an actual, an actual bop. Fun fact for you too. I don't know who actually would know this or need to know this or would even notice this. This is the only time in Muppet history where the electric mayhem appeared without Dr. Teeth. I did not know that. Is there a reason for that? Yep. I have no idea. It just the their piano their their pianist is Rolf. It's not Doctor T. I did notice that it that Rolf was in the band with them, which he's not normally. Rolf is usually like a solo, like you know, yeah, solo he's act, by yeah, playing in a bar. Um, but again, really good use of the Muppets having like their side characters show up, like Sam and like Animal. Yeah, where they can actually, use but them. not yeah. as the ghosts. Um. Yeah, yeah, and having it just be Gonzo and Rizzo as uh, 
as Charles Dickens and the rat. And I love that line in the beginning with them, like a blue furry Charles Dickens who hangs out with a rat. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Charles Dickens. Like, yes. I thought you were talking. I thought you were going to talk about when he's like, uh, wait, what are we doing? What? Nothing. What? I'll just, yeah, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) There's like Gonzo's is so much my favorite Muppet. So yeah, like the Muppets are used well in this. Like they, it gives a lot of time for Michael Caine to shine and be with these ghosts that are being that character and not a Muppet playing that character, which works. Well, well. and I, I think the thing that does really well is that, yeah, this is a Muppet movie, but you still are focused on, Michael Caine. Yeah, you are. From moment one, from you're here not... comes Mr. Humbug. <laughs> yeah, you're not like... Dude, were you singing that when you guys were watching it at work? No, it was hard. Liar. No, I'm telling mostly... I didn't. If I if I did, I didn't realize. <laughs> oh, dude, I would have been jamming out during the Marley like song. too are many people would right do that. That would like, not have been cute. No way. But... Well, oh, I, I definitely been... was like dancing a little though. I mean, I wasn't not reacting yeah. to Let's this. Go. The the best song is in the next section though. But before we get there, we're obligated to talk yeah. about a Christmas Carol Dude, 2009 with Jim Carrey. <laughs> now, I actually so. like the design of the Ghost of Christmas Past in this movie though. It was it was very cool. Um it was very unique. Yeah. What I didn't love was Jim Carrey's creepy whispering voice. Which Wait, I don't know Jim... if you know that or not. That is Jim oh, Carrey. Oh, really? Honestly, this whole yeah, time I Jim forgot Carrey. Jim Carrey was even in this fucking movie. But, like, I yeah, he looks like yeah. a candle, which is, it just looked cool. It had that ethereal, yeah. whispery voice. And this this did not suck. This was, like, design-wise. Because, like I said in the beginning, this movie mm. really tried to find, like, visual ways to be different. To just do something unique, which I respect. Yeah. And like, this worked, this was really cool. And they had a very cool, like flyover scene. The ghost of Christmas past always flies. And it's like one of my yeah. favorite parts of all the stories. And it looks great in the Muppets and it looked great in this. Like I kudos, this was good by, by Jim Carrey. Actually, this was maybe the last thing that we like. I know we keep saying we hate this, but every beat we like, but this is it. This is the last part that we liked. I think. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with yeah. that. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Because, so here's the thing: the from here we go to the least important or least impactful ghost. You think so? To the most impactful. Oh, far, I'm sorry. Dude, I thought is, you were saying Christmas present was the least impactful, and I was like, do we have to have a fight? <laughs> No, 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 no. The Ghost of Christmas Present does more for Scrooge than any of the other. Yeah, ghosts. absolutely, I agree. I see what you're saying that we're going from past to present, from one of the least, the least impactful yeah. to the best bit of all of the stories, though. The best oh, part yeah, of the story, absolutely. Sure. If not the most impactful Dude, ghost. So, it sucks too because the 1938 one with Reginald Owen, the Ghost of Christmas Present really doesn't do anything. No. He stops a fight in the street and then he teleports him. The everywhere. fight thing is book accurate. Yeah. Also that I know I texted you about it, but that scene is where part of the audio is used again. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I didn't catch it, but I'm not surprised at all that. I mean, we learned this in the timeline doing snow white and similar. Right. And of course the, I texted you this, that the, uh, the rotoscoping meme is going around again. 
Oh my god, yeah. I, I saw so that. many That's people have sent great. it to me. And I'm like, oh my god, like I have no idea. <laughs> That's crazy that someone who has a podcast about that exact fucking topic. Nuts. I've discussed that at length. I totally no, but it's funny that people are they're like, have you seen this? Oh my god. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy that i have dude my family yeah. does that when like a new star wars thing is announced i'm like i've known about this for years yeah but it's sweet Stop that it. they think of us and see, i and paid attention and said that's the thing they know about and sent me that yeah but that's yeah. going around again but uh yeah i'm totally not surprised they reuse sound in this and yeah basically they're like but we get a lot of focus on the cratchits which is what makes this the best part to be honest i yeah. that's, i mean it's my favorite part of all of the story when we get to zoom in I on Cratchit's dinner. I agree. Um, and I feel like the 1930... None of the other ones do this, either. Um, I mean, the Muppet one kind of tries to, but it's only because he's the one that's singing the song. But the Ghost of Christmas Presents scene in the 1938 one does a good job of actually setting up how important important and impactful the loss of tiny tim would be to this family yeah they do they they we get a lot of time with tim who will who we'll talk about but yeah, yeah they I, I liked i liked that it just wasn't very uh he wasn't you that's what i'm saying like he just wasn't for this being the most important part of the uh scrooge's like redemption story he really didn't learn that much or like he really the or not learned he really didn't do that much. The ghost didn't really do that much for him. No, the ghost barely said like we barely see Scrooge or the ghost. Like you honestly, it's like they might not even be there. Like it feels like you're really just with the Cratchits in this more than any yeah. of the rest of them. It doesn't feel like you're watching them. It feels like you're in there with them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then the now we get into the part that really this is where I really just wanted I so fucking hard i want you guys to understand this i fought so hard to keep watching this movie during scrooge yeah this was the worst part. part i fucking hate this ghost i don't understand the punching thing i don't understand the fuck he's just weird he just like there's nothing funny or endearing or anything like that and it yeah in this whole scene i still just don't feel like bill murray is learning anything I just don't, I don't, he's just seeing this stuff. Oh, he's learning absolutely nothing. And yeah, it's this weird, like a really weird take on the ghost of Christmas present who is always like this. A Santa figure. Yeah. Big jovial dude, like with a horn of plenty. That's book accurate. Yeah. Like, and this is this strange, like fairy that keeps every time they're going into the next scene, he just punch or she just punches Bill Murray, Bill Murray in the face. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, what is this? She was awful. I, I really did not like that. And I can't even properly recall like what he saw. I guess he looked in on his assistant on grace, right? He goes to see grace at Christmas. Morning, sees her get all pissed off about the towel. Right. And sees Tiny Tim, who in this version just doesn't speak. Oh, and then he goes and sees his brother. That's what it is. Right. He has, instead of his nephew, he has a brother who he has drama with. Yeah. And, yeah, I, and then his girlfriend, right? Like, I think he's, Gra like, creeping uh, on her. Not Grace. Claire. Claire. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. They yeah, really yeah. botched that because that should be the best part of the movie. And in the Muppets, it is, for sure. Like, well... 
I don't know. All of that movie is the best part of that movie, but I really like the ghost of Christmas present. Yeah, I I'm, I'm here for it. He, this, okay. So the Muppet Christmas Carol version of the ghost of Christmas present seems like the happiest one. I like versions of this ghost where he gets older as the vision goes on. And I cannot recall if that's book yeah. accurate, but it is in a number of these versions. And I like it. I think the Muppet, like the puppet looks really good. The Muppet character when mm -hmm. he does it. Um, yeah. And I like his song. This is my favorite song. The yeah. um, It Feels Like Christmas. It's in the coming of the street corner choir. Getting home and getting warm by the fire. It's true wherever you find love. It feels like Christmas. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know all the lyrics as well as you do, but I really like the song. <laughs> I really, really like that one. And that's like, my sister and I both love this movie. And that's one that will sort of like, when we're when it's Christmas and, we're, and I actually was singing this to the cats earlier, just walking around the house and just it feels like Christmas. Oh, yeah. Well, the cats were very excited <laughs> when we did kitty stockings earlier. I have a full uh, life, um, but <laughs> but then then it's Jim Carrey and okay, the I appreciate the only what thing they're about trying to this do. That works for yeah, me. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 you're fine. I, I, I go ahead. I just, I, I appreciate what they're trying to do with the mechanism here. Is that what you were going to get into? Like, Yeah, that's the only thing that worked for me in this. Yeah, so they have it, like, and it's not even for all of it, right? Like, they find something that works, and then they abandon it, like, halfway through the scene, which is really too bad. But they yeah. they have this mechanism where the ghost, who looks like the ghost is supposed to, right? He's, he's like, all the yep. traditional mm -hmm. shit. Probably the most accurate. Probably, yeah. And, um... Yeah, this one actually is super book accurate. I will give it that, the 2009. But they have it like looking through the floor, almost like a pensive opening up on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool, but it doesn't, it only lasts for so long before they like or go into it. But what really had me like, I was, like we've said, is it kind of enjoying this one so far? A lot of what they had mm -hmm. so far, and I was like, oh, Scrooge is really mean and you know marley looked really good and the ghost of yeah. christmas past looked pretty good like it like this is a cool take i wonder what they'll do next and then honestly by this point like scrooge is usually starting to redeem himself and this one is like really not yeah he's giving up his crown as king shit of fuck mountain yeah. but here he's he you know what it is honestly it feels like the entire time he's with him, he's like refusing to acknowledge what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, he won't look. Like the ghost has to like force him to watch what's happening and he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like he just, and not because it like hurts his heart, right? It's like because he doesn't care. And yeah. it's, and then the ghost turns into a skeleton and I was like, I'm out. Oh, yeah. That was, the, that was the breaking point for me. I was like, nope, this is not a good movie, but let's, fine i didn't really understand that either that was was that supposed to never mind i you know what it's the mind. ghost aging thing it's that trope just like in the muppets yeah. it's just an extreme stupid ass version of it like he was looking cool yeah. the animated version of him aging was looking cool for a hot second and then he turned into a skeleton and i'm like i'm done i have to fuck this yeah yeah but then so like that's why i was confused because 
Then we go into the ghost of Christmas yet to come, and Reginald Owens is totally fine. He's awesome. Acceptable as hell. Nothing wrong. Yeah. Yeah. There's no there's no issues here. I got no problem. I got nothing to remark on it either. It just sort of happened. Like I couldn't tell it a lot of the Reginald Owen one is just very like it just sort of happened. Like it's super book accurate. It's the most bland. I feel about this the way I think a lot of people feel about the Lord of the Rings of like, yeah, duh, schmear, like, and I'm like, right, I know, but it's the first time any of it was done and it's this groundwork and mm. it's this incredible world building and blah, blah, blah. And people are like, no, I want something more exciting, right? That's all standard. That's all tropey. I know the answer, right? That's how yeah. I feel about this. And it's the first one. So it's allowed to be. Mm. Yeah, and that's fine, because then we go into Scrooge, and I just don't get this. I thought it was pretty funny. I'm like, not going to lie. I kind of liked it. So I, the part where he mixes them up on, uh, what is it, when they go back or whatever, and he mixes them up on set. Yeah, I like that. Or wait. Yeah, that, so they. I no, 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 you're right. You're right. So they have, um, because they're doing uh, Christmas Carol oh, on right, right, set, right, 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 right? That's the whole meta thing. Yeah. He's putting the show on on Christmas Eve. And all the shit starts to happen that day, right? But it starts at noon instead of one in the morning. So it's all happening coming up to their like live Christmas day. He's making everybody work their live show. And so the actor who's playing the ghost of Christmas yet to come in their live show crosses him in the elevator and he like, it scares the fuck out of him. And then he realizes because he's about to get that ghost. Right. And he knows what's, he knows the story. So he's waiting for it. And then it's the actor. And then when he's in the elevator later and it's actually the ghost, he thinks it's the actor. And that's the, the joke. Oh yeah. 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 yeah it was yeah, funny. Yeah. I liked okay. it. It was like basic, but it's like okay. humor one Oh one, but I, okay. Yeah. I remember that now. I remember him being scared by him when he went by him. Okay. Yeah. He's scared of that. the well, actor. And then I remember him getting scared off at the end. Well, yeah. And the ghost gets scared off by the maniac with the gun at first. And I like the way the ghost first appeared, like really ominous behind him, like big dead skeleton hand. Um, yeah. But I actually, I actually liked this ghost pretty much all the way through. And then this one did a thing that some of the ghosts of, Christmas yet to come does or do, which is have like strange children in your robes. I don't know how else. Oh yeah. Like, they do it in the 2009. They, I'm pretty sure they did it in the stage play that I used to see as a kid. And it's weird. And it's like, I can't, it's like avarice and it's like, it's like two of the seven deadly sins or some bullshit are in there. Oh, it's avarice and gluttony. Is that what it is? Or not? No, I don't think it's gluttony. I think it's pride or greed. Well, that's what is avarice that is. Avarice? First of all, avarice know. is not a seven deadly. I sin. don't, but I think they call the kid avarice. I think that's what they call the yeah. kid when they. I'm. Tr- I don't. They, I don't know. But this one in the Bill Murray in Scrooge has like, it's like made up of horrible like children inside of his skeleton or something. So it's like part of that trope, but it's, it's not quite two kids, which is what it is in the 2009. Um, But not thank God in the Muppet one, which I think is the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree by this. The best part about this is by this point, Scrooge is ready to be redeemed. 
he even tells the ghost that much. He's like, I'm ready to move forward and listen and learn with a thankful heart. Mm-hmm. He is fully redeemed. But I think the fact that he gets to see how the world would act if he was really gone is the like thing that really hammers it home for him. Because, yeah, he could be like, oh, Christmas is great, and this is awesome, and da-da-da-da-da. But getting that fear of being like, dude, like, the whole world is a terrible place now because he didn't change his ways. Yeah, I think that that was enough for him. Yeah, I I mean, especially the Michael Caine version of Scrooge is, like, really, like, he yeah. was pretty ready to repent, like I said, like, as soon as he saw the Marleys. So by this yeah. time, yeah, he's all the way has learned his lesson. And he makes such a good, good Scrooge. Like I said, he's probably too good all the way through. So this is when he starts to really, really shine. And like, yeah, um, you almost feel bad for him that he has to deal with any of this. He's so repentant. We do. And the, the, the only problem that I have is unlike the other versions, it takes, it, it takes a while for him to figure out who they're talking about. Which is ridiculous. In every version of it, it's like denial. He's just, it's yeah. total denial. I mean, he's looking at his own bed hangings, which is in every version. Yeah. Um, Why, Mrs. Dilber, they're still warm. I d- and then he's like, I don't pay. What does he say? Oh, it's the spider guy. That's right. I don't pay extra for the warmth. <laughs> it's all like the most evil Muppets, like all the bugs yeah. that are there. and yeah the moth or whatever i can't remember whether the uh the two children are book accurate under his robes but i'm glad they're not here yeah i'm i'm really glad they were yeah i don't like Um, them i also just don't think they would have made sense and i do think they are book accurate yeah i can't remember even though that was like less than 24 hours ago but i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) whoops um but then uh, hard nope, fuck this all the way to hell for the 2009. I I don't get this at all. And while this is visually striking, first of all, I haven't said this of this movie. I, and if I have, I haven't said it enough. This movie is creepy as fuck. Yeah. There is creepy shit in this movie. Like right off the bat, the fucking... Uh, what is it? The the guy that puts Marley in the coffin yeah. and has him sign the death certificate. That dude looks scary as shit. Yeah. But and then like this part is just it's just the worst. Just I don't get it. Why is he small? Why is what is what is the lesson here? I don't get it. I don't even I, track I, I how don't. he became small. It was, I mean, it yeah. was like so the ghost itself was cool for a hot second. It was like a shadow that turned real. And he had a yeah. horse. Like there was for a hot second, yeah. I was like, "Is this going to not be terrible? Did you are you going to fix it? Was it just one one section that was bad?" Um, but no. Um, and then we get this. I I don't know exactly what happened, but it was just this really extended scene where he gets made little and chased, chased yeah. all through London, and it's like everything about this. Like he never, at any point even less than Bill Murray felt like he was repenting anything. He just was trying to not die. There was so much action in this movie for no fucking reason. So 
And I think that's indicative of them trying to make it a more approachable story for kids. What you don't fucking need to do. Just show them a different movie. Show them Polar Express. Show them fucking Elf. Show them The Year Without a Santa Claus. Loki, one of my other favorite movies. I t- yeah, just, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking here, but it get, it just, like, escalates yeah. to get just, like, worse and worse. And then, uh, saving kind of the best for last here, because I think he yeah. has all his best moments in the end, is our discussion of, of Tiny Tim himself. And, yeah, uh, so I'm going to start this part with the question that you had asked earlier. Well, and that's what I have and a I lot of listener you... feedback on. Yeah. So let me hear that first before I say anything. Well, it answers the question. Like, we both knew the answer to the question, and this is our feedback as well. Oh, yeah. Did you see okay. This? So the – no, I did not. Um The que- – so a lot of people do actually ask this. This is like a common question for this story and if my memory serves correctly there are several physicians over the last some odd decades that have said it's likely that for the time tiny tim had a combination of tuberculosis and rickets correct because tuberculosis would explain his cough his weakened his weakened condition but rickets would explain the loss of use of his leg yeah. And the two combined would end up killing him if he doesn't get any kind of treatment in any way. Yeah. So check this. This is, I will read this out. This is from, this is listener feedback from Chris, um, not Scott's friend, Chris, who's co-hosted before, but friend of the show who is a historian and has sent in some of this stuff before. So I'm going to read this off from Chris that explains the, the combination of rickets and TB that results in Tiny Tim's condition. Um, So Chris says, from what disease did Tiny Tim suffer? The limp, the size, then after intervention from Scrooge, he does not die. Um, What she says is Dickens is bold and not hers. Says there's not a lot of curable diseases in the 19th century. Medicine was ineffective at best against the swarm of infections. The cholera epidemic alone was killing up to 90% of the population in the area where the Cratchits live. All the London slums. Tuberculosis, then known as consumption, and smallpox, and even the bubonic plague. If Tiny Tim had some sort of genetic disorder, it's unlikely that he would have survived infancy. Some scholars say that it was just general poor nutrition, but since he and his he is his family's favorite, they aren't going to let him starve. And they all work and are not in the poorhouse, which is a literal place in the 19th century. So there is some food. She says the limp is curious. Rickets, coming from a lack of vitamin D, fits the diagnosis to my mind, because it causes spongy bone disorders, especially in children. Not all people suffered from rickets to the same degree, even within one household because of the infamous London smogs from coal burning or pea supers, as they were known, were far worse in the winter. Vitamin D is the only vitamin humans are capable of synthesizing on our own, but we need sunlight. So those unlucky enough to be born and young in say a bad winter when there was extra coal being burned would be at very high risk and then she finishes with if scrooge got tiny tim out of the city for a bit or even supplied the family with some freshish milk very hard to find in london or some decent cheese tiny tim could get better much more quickly yeah 
Thank you, Chris. I appreciate you. Very it makes much. sense, right? Because it needs to be a disease that Scrooge helping the family could have helped take care of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and TB could have been taken care of by just taking him somewhere clearer. Right. Getting him out of the city. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. I think that's totally plausible yeah. as the cause of, of Tiny Tim's ailments. So we really appreciate that from you, Chris. Sorry if I botched reading that. It's, it's late. <laughs> um, but so he, Tiny Tim was a sweetheart in the 1938 version, for sure. Yes, um, he was. He's also, that's where he's the most prominent. Yes. Of the four stories that we've covered tonight. He is, he shows up the most in... The 1938 version. Yeah, and he seems like a real happy kid. Like, it does not seem like he's about to die. He They call limited attention to his records. Yeah, they actually only pointed out when Fred tries to, or when Fred asks him why he's not sliding, which Fred then solves. I mean, I like Fred. He's good in every version. He's just the same in every version, so there's not really a lot to talk That's about. That's the thing. There's... You can't really do Fred differently because yeah. he's not a major part of the story. Whereas Tiny Tim done differently in Scrooge is like insane. So this kid, yeah. they drop this with out of fucking nowhere. So he doesn't have rickets on account of it not being 1840, right? It's 1988. So this kid does not have rickets. However, they just drop on us that he has not spoken a word since he saw his dad die. And they just leave it at that and walk away they just don't address it again yeah i uh, yeah i that i didn't nope yeah what the fuck the and the biggest problem i have with this is he has spent no time with bill murray and for him to just go up to bill murray at the end and be like you forgot to say that line or whatever it is yeah at the very end he says god bless us yeah. ever. and it's the most obvious thing like anyone can see it coming ten thousand miles yeah. away because it's like the thing that tiny tim says in every single iteration of this is that's his line yep. um god bless us everyone and it's very sweet but also what the fuck like this this yeah. was weird and and i don't think we got enough time with them because during the chris the ghost of christmas present it was like so much of this is about bill murray's girlfriend so yeah. we didn't really get a lot we don't of time. Really cover with anything yeah, about these were like the Cratchits. Obviously, these are really supposed to be the Cratchits, right? Because they have the tiny Tim. But yeah. God help me, yeah, it was it wasn't great. Unfortunately, I I have to say the same thing about the Muppets. Yeah, this is the one weak part about this movie. Is the only real time that you see Tiny Tim is when he sings "Bless Us All." Which is like the least good song of the. Yeah. That is the probably the worst song in the movie. Um, and then when he gets excited, which happens like right before they sing the song, but there's no reason for Scrooge to just suddenly care about Tiny Tim. No. Just because he saw the kid, or no, he they overhear Kermit's. Uh, Kermit telling Piggy what Tiny Tim's wish was. They and then and, and uh, Scrooge is just like an extraordinary child. Yeah. And then I'm like, why do you care though? I feel like in this one, it's like, like that. It's more about the Cratchits as a family and what they represent yeah. and the resilience of Christmas, right? Like there's this 
that's kind of the through line on the Cratchits here. I think that Scrooge looks at them in this and is like, wow, look at how they're able to still celebrate Christmas, even though their life fucking sucks. Like that's more their thing, even though that's the basic, like what the Cratchits are. It's like more the Muppets thing than anybody else's. Like the others are like, look how happy they are. It was like, look how much they're able to still survive. Here. I got out of bed today is what they're like. It's, it's just kind of grim. I don't know. And, and yeah, tiny. Tim, the, I just feel bad for Kermit. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think I have like, I do. I, yeah. When they lose little tiny Tim, I feel bad for them. Well, I know. Yeah. He, uh, he definitely seems to, well, no, that's not true because the 1938 one, he is definitely down. And yeah, that's the like, saddest he is, one. He is beaten dude another thing that's in every version is them commenting on him walking slower now that tiny tim's dead than than when he had him on his shoulder yeah well and i don't know i just i don't think that tim as a whole was covered very well in the muppet christmas carol However, what I will say is in the Muppet Christmas Carol does a better job than these other three of showing how small the feast they actually have. Yeah, for sure. They have like no food. Yeah. And, and Scrooge even uh, comments on it. Yeah, He's like such a meager feast. And then the ghost is like, but very much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think- and also like the rat was on it, which is too bad. Like Rizzo touched the ghost. Oh my God, I was Rizzo. like, Whoa. I fell down the chimney and landed on a flaming hot goose. Ah, you have all the fun. <laughs> but I thought uh, Tiny Tim in the the 2009 was fucking weird, though. Like, did he have leg braces? Like, he definitely had, like, polio. Like, this one, tell. it was, like... It was definitely Yeah, polio. this one had polio. I It was... This was weird. They... I didn't really understand, and... For most of that, because of the way he just kind of like is there in the scene, I couldn't actually tell if that was Tiny Tim or not for a couple yeah. couple minutes when they first do the. Well, because the, the crutches like, were so underwhelming and weird in this. Yeah, they were. I. This is just a weird movie. Like honestly, guys, if you're gonna take our our ratings when we give them in a minute here for anything, just not this remember one. that this is the most new. Like, this is the most recent of all these films, and this is the worst one. Yeah, like, I get that this is going to be the first thing that pops up when people are like, let's watch a Christmas Carol movie. Not this one. Anything but this one, please. It's so bad. (laughs) Yeah, it just... It was terrible. It felt more like an experiment in animation than an attempt to tell a story. It did. Um, And I didn't like it. I didn't like anything about it. Um, I think we talked about most of this kind of redemption arc stuff, but who was, who was your favorite redeemed Scrooge? Oh, uh, it's absolutely Michael Caine. Yeah. However, I did answer one of your questions though. Mm. Um, I saw that you had about the 1938 one. Yes. Scrooge actually does give Bob his job back. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I was confused about that because he's the only one to get fired. Right. And I didn't see him do that explicitly. Yeah, so when he gets there, he's like, Bob, I'm going to raise your salary. So he basically just ignores that he fired him. Got it, okay. So they never do say, like, you're rehired, which is what I was looking for. Yeah, because he 
which is a good cover, but also it means that Cratchit doesn't have to tell his wife that he got fired. I thought he did tell his wife and they just like... No, he tells Marta. Oh, right. Who's like the other daughter or something? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. He but never has he... to own up to it, which is nice. But it's not like he was hiding yeah. it. He was just trying to like not have a terrible uh, Christmas. Yeah. You know? And well, and that's that's probably where I... Scrooge and the 2009 one probably are the ones that are the weakest to me. I just don't believe that that Bill Murray was redeemed at all. Thank you for correcting the spelling of douchebag, yeah, by the way. You. I just saw you do I'm like, that. I'm just, it's just a meticulous. I see it and I have to fix it. <laughs> but no, yeah. Bill Murray was, uh, he, he was not redeemed in any way, shape or form. And also he didn't have like any anti-Christmas sentiment. That was the interesting no, thing about him. At least, you know, it, one of the weak, weird things about this story, like we said, is that in no version of it, do we get, any kind of flashback kind of in the Muppets because they don't have him get rescued from school. But yeah. that's the only one in it. We never get a flashback that says that he should hate Christmas. Like he meets his girlfriend at Christmas in the Muppets one in all the other versions he gets brought home by his sister. Like we don't ever see anything. Yeah. It's just that one comment in the 1938 one that tells us that there's like more to learn about how he became a bad guy. So I think that that's think, weird in every version that it's like, why do you hate Christmas? Like nothing that we learned in this story is why Scrooge doesn't like Christmas. Nothing. I think it just kind of goes back to him talking about how, well, in the Muppet, the Muppet one does a good job of it only because even from a kid, he's like, who cares about stupid old Christmas? Yeah. And then when it shows him at Fozzie's, He's like, dude, do you have any idea how much money we're spending? Like, he already just doesn't care about You're the right. Christmas part and of his it. Girlfriend breaks he up just with cares him. about the bottom doesn't line. Doesn't she break up with him oh, at yeah. Christmas? And then she breaks up with him on yeah, Christmas. So, yeah. yeah, so he has a reason. But all yeah. these other dudes have no reason to dislike Christmas that, that we're aware of. And that's weird. And nowhere more clear than with Bill Murray, who has is just yeah. kind of, he's just kind of a Tony Stark, right? He's just like, he, he reminds is. me so much of Tony Stark, except a bastard, like without anything <laughs> good there. He would not be a hero. Nothing cool. Yeah. I, yeah. And then, um, like we said, definitely for the Muppets, I think we talked about this. Like he was so nice. Like he was ready to be redeemed. He was like he all was. the way Michael Caine. Yes. Um, I don't buy it for one fucking second with the 2009, nope. not for a, not a hot second. Nothing, nothing about his experience, honestly. And we, you said it best in the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come. It's he's just running for his life. He's not learning anything about anything. Fucking well, anything. and it's because yeah. they keep putting in these weird action scenes too. Like even at the very end for yeah. him, it's like he is like fighting for his life. Like he's in like an action scene while this is happening. I'm not surprised he didn't learn anything. It's it was set up so fucked, but the like, I. <laughs> You know what I thought about that too is like it just this whole story like should be quieter and fucking Christmas in general should be quieter than this movie. Like <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it just this was an attempt to be super loud for no reason for it like I said, it's just them trying to make it a modernized tale. They tried so and, hard. Parts of it were they they yeah. like some of the design stuff was cool. But like, I wouldn't mind someone taking another stab at that with, like, decent animation and trying to do something unique with the way that the visions oh, are yeah. experienced or the way that ghosts look. Like, 
the candle for the ghost of Christmas past was fucking cool. Like they were on to something and it just, they just did not land it. But where they, it did go well was, and they should have ended the whole fucking thing here, but they, it was, it was sincere when he asks permission of, of his nephew to come to dinner. Yeah. I did actually really like that because he doesn't just show up. Yeah. He, and he looks very contrite. Like that's his most like believable redemption moment. So I think we're ready to move into like important questions. And I do have one more bit of listener feedback from Chris. Hell yeah. Let's go. Chris. I, I know love you. she had some great stuff to put in here. And this is, I'm, I'm curious what you think about this. Cause yeah, I'm like, yeah, she's not wrong. So, so Chris says, what about the fucking Turkey? Let's say Scrooge wakes up around 11, which the text supports based on the bells calling the London faithful to prayer, which is in the books. The bells go off and it like church time right in the morning. Right. Yeah. Says one hour to pluck. So she's told a turkey one hour to clean and prep eight hours at least to cook. And it would have had to be cooked at the butchers because that's what people did back then. Then time for delivery. And it's weird. I, she says, I think Bob is late for work the next day because he had a big ass turkey delivered to his house at one in the morning. Scrooge knows that Bob's going to be late and is gleeful when he gets to call him out on it. Scrooge may be reformed, but he's a dick. Also, nowhere does yep. it say that the turkey was to be anonymous. Presumably the butcher knew who was paying him to work OT on Christmas. And yet Bob clearly doesn't know that it was Scrooge who sent it. So why didn't they think to ask what the fuck? Or maybe he does know and it's super awkward. Dickens doesn't really ever fuck up. So I wonder about the turkey situation. I think about it every time I get a little rotisserie chicken from the grocery store. So thank you for that, Chris. I I think that's a great, a great point. That is a really good point. That's, I actually have never thought about that. That's kind of crazy. Right. Because depending on the version that you're watching, he either buys the turkey and has to have it cooked or it's already cooked. Like the Muppet one, it's already cooked. It's on a platter and ready to eat. No, it's not. It's ready to be cooked and then they cook it instantaneously. If you watch if you watch closely, it turns from like a white color, like a uncooked bird to like a golden brown cooked turkey. That's insane. And now I have to go back and watch this shit. Are you no, kidding me? No, I'm pretty me? sure that's right. I've seen it a thousand that's times bonkers. now this week. And I, kind of... I know. So have I. And now I'm kind of like, what the Dude, fuck? Dude, I'm pretty sure. Like I... Yeah, that is that is deeply weird. So, and it's in the book, right? That's the that's the yeah. super weird part because Dickens does rarely fuck up. So, I like your theory, Chris. Um, I do too. And I can't believe I never thought about that. And now that's honestly what I'm going to think about every time I see a rotisserie chicken. <laughs> well, Chris will like <laughs> that's that. So good. Um, let's see some of the stuff we talked about. Oh, um. Yeah, we talked about pretty much everything else. The last thing on here that we haven't brought up is that um, they don't really specify like how Marley and Marley are related as like business partners, but they have the same name. And like, are they brothers? Are they father and son? I choose to believe they're married lovers. So, uh, I mean, yeah, that's kind of open to interpretation. Yeah, it doesn't really that they don't give us anything. It. I'm going with married lovers. I'm going with husbands. Marley and Marley. Jacob and Robert Marley. I'm going to have to... I, I'm totally fine with that. That's pretty I just cool. like how they don't elaborate. 
Well, there's like there's nothing to support any theory, so any theory could literally. They're work. likely supposed to be brothers. They're probably supposed to be brothers, but they're I anyway. That was my comment on it. I'm like, no, they're totally. It's like Bert and Ernie, right? Yep. It's like, well, you know, they they did live together in that house. Like that was the Marley house, right? Yeah, like that's true. yeah, these two were totally married. Just saying. I'm here for that. I'm totally behind that. <laughs> so. That was, and everything else we talked about, everything else in my little comments. So that yeah. was the last thing. Um, how do you yeah. rate these four? So originally I had it as Scrooge was number four, but talking about this, clearly it's got to be Christmas Carol 2009. Yeah, you're obviously wrong. Obviously the worst one is Christmas Carol 2009. <laughs> Honestly, our lists are the same then. It's, it's Christmas Carol 2009 ranked fourth. Scrooged at rank three. Honestly, that could have just been like they could have tied for three yeah. for me. Um 1938's Christmas Carol is very, very close to number one, but obviously it's the Muppets. I have to give the Muppets number yep, one. Yeah, I'm identical. And I'm totally with you. Yeah. Scrooged in and 2009 because there were a lot there were parts of the 2009 one that I liked. Like, yeah. and there were parts of Scrooge that I liked. Like I overall I kind of hated the 2009, but the other oh, three yeah, I, I like too. genuinely enjoyed watching. But and there were parts of the 2009 that I didn't think were the worst thing I'd ever seen. But that was stretching it. I couldn't really get behind Scrooge. No, that's not true. I enjoyed it for for watching it this time, but it's not something I would return to every year. No, for sure not. And you know what those two had in common. They mm. were good right up until Ghost of Christmas Present. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then it just kind of falls apart from yeah. there. Yeah, which is weird because the story is so airtight. Like, how do you fuck this up? I just don't, I don't. Yeah, you can't really go anywhere but the one direction. Yeah, I really don't know how, how you can get it so wrong as they did. But in the yeah. beginning, sort of third of the, both of those were good and then they went wrong at Christmas present. And so that's where the other two shine, right? Like they maintained all the way. Yeah. I think, I think that's going to have to be where that line is. Yeah. Is there's just, there's just too big a difference at that point. It just, it just falls apart. And then me. I just think the 1938 for me, I don't have a nostalgia factor on this, so it's not that close of a, it. In fact, it's, it's yeah. not, it's just solid second. It's not like edging up on Muppets for me at all, yeah. but it was good. It just was um, it, not even that it was old. Cause I, cause I didn't even barely notice that cause of the setting, right? Like all that felt fine. Like the yeah. oldness of it made me smile. Like Mary Poppins did. Like it really had that effect yeah. on me. I liked it a lot. It just was like bland. It was the most standard telling of this. Mm. I think that you can find, you know, and, all these yeah. other ones had a spin, right? Yeah, it didn't really get imaginative with anything. It did kind of just cover everything it was supposed yeah, to. Yeah, this is just and Christmas here's Carol. I didn't. Um, I meant to say this earlier, and it it's one of those things where when we were talking, about, like it's really kind of like scary at parts. It still to this day blows my mind that in the Muppet Christmas Carol, they still have Scrooge say. Uh, if I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips 
would be cooked with his own turkey and buried with a stake of holly through his that's heart. That's another line that's in all of them. Um, yeah. yeah. And that shit is gruesome I as know, fuck, huh? dude. They kept a lot. That was another I fascinating that we, I cannot believe we managed to get this to win a vote for the, the work Christmas party thing. I but, know. but that was one that got reactions to today. People were like, holy shit. Like that stuck out to people. Yeah, yeah that was a lot. It's brutal. But no question, that's the best Christmas Carol movie. Oh, without without a, doubt. a doubt. I mean, it's the music is incredible. Like it has, I think the the music and the Muppets add a real Christmassy vibe. Like it makes me feel more Christmassy mm-hmm. than any of the rest of these do. Like it sounds like Christmas yeah. and that'll be stuck in my head through the whole season. And uh, yeah, it's just the best one. It's the best. It's I my agree. favorite Christmas movie. There are lots of great Christmas movies, but this is my favorite. I agree. I'm 100% behind that one. Not So here's where things become a problem. This is not my favorite Christmas movie. This is my favorite Christmas movie to watch by myself. Because I I don't have anybody that would watch this movie with me. Except like my nephews would. Oh, this was a big one. Um, like a family one for us. Like I think my sister and I will watch it on like watch party at some point next week. Yeah. No, my uh, my sister and I always watched uh, Rudolph the Claymation sure, Rudolph, sure. And, the original Grinch, uh, the original Grinch. Uh, what's the other one? I'm forgetting. I said it earlier. Oh, Year Without a Santa Claus. I don't really know that one. Oh my Pretty god! Pretty sure dude. I've seen okay, it. Okay, if but... you don't know that one, you know Heat Miser and Snow Miser. Mm, maybe I don't know it. Oh my god! It's that's one. That's probably my favorite christmas song from a movie often i'll text it's, me and I'll literally watch me. it i'll because i have all next week i can watch all the christmas stuff i also like the one where it's turbo time and arnold schwarzenegger is a bad dad oh jingle all the yeah, way i really like that that is actually a really good movie i forget about that movie every once in a while but then for some reason people just talk about it out of nowhere because it's a great movie and the santa claus is also a yeah. great series of christmas God, movies i haven't seen that in forever aren't there two Dude, more there's of those? three they're all good straight up the third one is like legit they come back for the third one like those that's movies. the one with jack frost yeah right? like those movies are legitimately good okay I'm yeah gonna have to, I'm put gonna that on the list those. maybe that's and then obviously around. there's like elf and um oh i love elf my that's my mom's favorite and christmas love movie. actually my, okay so my, oh, I love Love Actually. Yeah. First of all, that's one of the best Christmas movies ever. And I understand it for people who have seen it. That Yeah, there are some creepy it's shit. It's so in toxic, I, get I know, it. but it's still good. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board. I understand. Obviously, everyone in that movie does not have a great happy ending. I get it, dude. Okay? However, the best, number one, with a bullet, Christmas movie in my life will always be christmas vacation (laughs) my family and i quote that movie all the fucking time i watched it it was a tradition for us that after we ate thanksgiving dinner to ring in the christmas season we would watch that movie after that's awesome no mention of die hard for either of us i noticed that's because we unanimously acknowledge that it is a christmas movie i'm not gonna it is a christmas movie movie. i just mean we're not raising it as one of our favorites Oh, yeah, because I didn't watch it when I was growing oh, up. Oh, really? Oh, we watched... We, Die yeah. Hard was a movie that was on. <laughs> like, uh, for all the live action that was not on in my house, Die Hard was on. 
That's actually kind of crazy I, to me. My whole, like, this podcast is, like, making me understand how fucking weird my upbringing was. I'm like, no, we didn't have Hook or, like, what are the other, like, Mary Poppins. Oh, by the but, way. You know, Die Hard. Fight Club. We'd Fight Club on VHS. Wow. <laughs> um, I'm going to say this right now because you brought it up, and then I'll let you take us out of here. But Hook is not a Christmas movie. I wasn't suggesting Anybody... that it was. I was just No, 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 I know. I'm not saying movies. it to you. I'm saying it to the people who for some fucking reason think it is. People think just that? because your movie takes place during Christmas does not make it a Christmas movie. The movie has to explicitly make s- numerous comments and revolve in some way around Christmas to make it a Christmas movie. You wouldn't even know that Hook took place during Christmas if it wasn't for the Santa series when he's playing baseball and the fact that there's a Christmas tree in Wendy's house. Dude, I did not know this was a controversy. I'm like, what's happening? I didn't know there was a question around this. It's legitimately a thing, and it drives me Oh, well, no, I agree. Hook is not a Christmas movie, and you know what is? The Lord of the Rings. Uh, so was the first Harry Potter. Yeah, accurate. Only the first one, though. After that, even though they have yep. Christmas at Hogwarts every single year, it's no longer a Christmas movie. Only the first one. Agreed. 100%. Fuck those movies, man. I tried to put those on when I had my booster the other day, and I felt like shit, and it was like, I... And then you swore. I was so offended I put on Game of Thrones. I was like, you know what? Just yeah. fucking now. And I put on Game of Thrones, which Game of Thrones, it turns out, you know, again, was was still good. Other things that are good. I'm going to take us out of here. By the time this drops, I believe we will already have had the Spider-Man No Way Home review come out. Agreed. This will probably yep. come out. I think we should put this out like right after. So it'll come out like the 21st or 22nd or something in time for everyone to listen when they're doing their last minute shopping. So I hope that everyone enjoyed Spider-Man. The next time that you guys will see us will be for the Wheel of Time finale. And that's going to be coming up sometime through the 24th through the 26th. We're at the time of recording right now. I don't know. We'll see what happens with the holidays bring us. But going into the new year, look out for the Hawkeye review. Speaking of a, a good Christmas show. Hell yeah, yeah, it is. We'll do we'll do a Hawkeye review. We'll do the Dalmatians extravaganza. Book of Boba Fett is coming. We'll see what what way mm-hmm. in which we're going to cover that, and then we'll be hopping back into timeline stuff for season two of the podcast. So stick with us. There's all kinds of exciting stuff coming up. Make sure you guys subscribe. Give us a like. Give us a review or a rating. And you can follow us on social media at Go Behind the Timeline at Instagram. At go behind the timeline at gmail.com if you want to send feedback. At behind timeline at Twitter. We have the website up, we have the Reddit up, and the links to all of this stuff will be in the episode description. But do hit us up, send us your feedback, let us know what you think. And I hope everybody has an awesome holiday. We'll catch you guys like between now and between Christmas and New Year's, I guess, for the Wheel of Time yeah. finale. Yeah. And do me a favor, guys. Please make sure that you you put out milk and cookies and uh, carrots. Or booze. The Irish put out booze. Or booze. The Irish put out a shot of whiskey for Santa, and they tell the kids that it's because Santa's cold and needs a shot of whiskey. And that's like part of the country. tradition. I know. And I hate it because of reasons, but also I love it. Oh I know. God. Red Asha. Stay nerdy. We'll see you guys for the Wheel of Time finale.